Amen, amen. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. I don't feel bad. Raise your hand if you're tired this morning. Let's be honest. Anybody? Yep, people are tired. But bless your hearts. You're here today. <laughs> We're glad you're here. We're glad that those that are uh, watching online, welcome home today. Hey, I just want you to know something that maybe you already know, but if you don't, man, God loves you. And I know that life can be difficult sometimes and just overwhelmed with God's presence this morning, just listening and, and hearing and worshiping and just God loves you and you're, you're here today. We're glad you're here. If, if, uh, if we haven't met, my name's Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here and we've been in a series called Kingdom Values. Let's say that together. Kingdom Values. And we've been studying the Beatitudes um, in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus had a big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he talked about eight values, eight things that um, he considers people to be blessed if, if they're in these things. And uh, we, we know that the word blessed means happy as it relates to what we're going to be talking about or content. So Jesus had quite, to, quite a bit to say. And when we're talking about values this morning, before we go ahead and end our scripture, um, the reason we call them kingdom values is the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, doesn't really value the things that Jesus is talking about. Pretty much a lot of what Jesus spoke about. But specifically with the Beatitudes as it relates to the series, there was a lot of things that he said that our world doesn't value. But as followers of Jesus, he calls us to value. So he has this big talk with them. And scripture tells us in Matthew that Jesus sees the crowd and he's up on the mountainside and he begins to sit down and his disciples, he was training these 12 guys, they come to him and he begins to teach them. Here's what he said. He said, blessed, which remember we said is happy or content, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. When we think of mourn, we think of mourning the loss of someone. But uh, what he's talking about here is mourning over our sin because it brings us to repentance. Blessed are the, are the, let's read it, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's try that again. You ready? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that's what we're going to land today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, let's read that together, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Remember, the world doesn't value these things, and Jesus is talking about them, and the audience, everybody's listening to this. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is giving this talk, talking to them. They're listening to him. And today we're focusing on the third thing that he said, which is the meek. Let's read it together. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, this morning, as well, earlier when we were, I was studying for this series, um, as I was reading commentaries and different things on it, it would always give, us, give me a clashing worldview 
that would go against whatever the beatitude was. And for, for this one specifically, the clashing worldview for meek is power. And Jesus obviously realized that power and control was a big thing in the culture in those days. And believe it or not, sarcasm there, power and control is still something that we deal with today. And Jesus is talking about that. In fact, our culture really doesn't value meekness. We value power. We value saying what's on our mind. We value having the last word. We value not relying on anyone else. I can do it myself. The, the world favors power. But Jesus va- values surrender and submission. And so this morning, as we think about this today, um, Christ is calling us as followers of him to value what he values. And he doesn't value the, the worldly things that we know so much about. He values us being surrendered to him. Excuse me. So uh, let's understand what meekness is and what it isn't, okay, this morning. Um, when we think about meekness, I was looking up some commentaries and understanding. It says, the meek are happy, blessed are the meek. The meek are those who quietly submit themselves to God and show true humility toward how many men? All men, right? All people. Who can bear provocation without, this is good, without being inflamed by it, right? They are either silent or they returned what type of an answer? Soft. Who can be cool when others are hot and in their, what's that word? Okay, patience. That's a tough one, right? It's also a fruit of the Spirit. But in their patience, keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely keep possession of anything else. They are the meek who would rather forgive 20 injuries, let's finish it, than, than revenge one. Okay, here's a little bit more. The word meek from the original language was used to describe reigning in a stallion. It's the idea of a horse being controlled by a bit and a bridle. Um, When you think of the word control, it's something that the world wants and it's something we don't want. We don't want to be controlled. Um, And, you know, when we're born, we're controlled by our sinful nature. And when we invite Jesus into our heart and we're walking with him, we're not controlled by the sinful nature. We're controlled by his spirit. Some would say, well, I don't like the word control. Well, the reality is we're all controlled by something. We're either the one doing the controlling or someone else is controlling us or the sinful nature is controlling us. But as followers of Jesus, as followers of his word, as walking in step with his spirit, we're controlled by his spirit. And he uses an example of a bit or a bridle and a horse. The horse is choosing to submit to authority. That is meekness. I love this. It is power under constraint. Say that with me. It is power under constraint. Okay? So biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under whose control? Under his control. So essentially, just for those today, to to simplify it, meekness is really being under God's strength and and being his strength under control. And so this morning, um, Jesus 
is the perfect example of strength under control. We take communion and we remember what Jesus has done for us. We're here today because of what Jesus has done for us. And we see in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying and he says, not my will, your will, God. And then we see nails put in his feet and nails put in his hand and people are mocking him and spitting at him and talking to him rudely. And at any point, he could have completely done away with that, but he didn't. Listen to this. Jesus said, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to what? Protect us. And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus had strength, but he was submitted to what the the father wanted. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about some things. If you've grown up around the church and you've been here for a while or you just know your word, these are things that you already know but maybe need to be reminded of. And this morning, if you're new to this, then, then you're going to learn some stuff today from God's word, okay? But here's the first reminder when we think of blessed are the meek. Meekness is not a weakness, but it's the result of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a believer, Meekness is not weakness. Say that with me. Meekness is not weakness. It's meekness. I remember sitting in a theology class and and my professor saying that meekness is really about being teachable. It's really about being moldable. Um, When our kids were little, just like some of you, we had Play-Doh in the house and sometimes the kids would be playing and we would be busy and we'd forget to go and check and they would leave the lid off the Play-Doh. And you know what happens to Play-Doh if it's the lid doesn't come back on. It gets dry. And when it gets dry, it's no longer moldable and shapeable. It becomes hard and crusty, and you can't shape it into what you want it to be. And if we're not connected to Christ and we're not walking with him, meekness is not what's going to come out. In fact, when we're not walking with Jesus, we see being meek as a weakness. But listen to what Titus says. It means to slander no one, to be peaceable, And consider it. And always be what, church? Gentle toward everyone. You know, I was thinking about that. And when you you start reading and studying this, it keeps using um, our words, the things that we say, as a a way to describe not the totality of meekness, but it, it, it keeps using that example. And it makes me think of Solomon in Proverbs when he says that a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words let's finish it make tempers flare i love this quote from william booth he says the greatness of the man's power is the measure of his surrender and so this morning um, if you have asked jesus into your heart then you receive his spirit and his spirit begins to produce fruit in your life and we keep thinking that we keep seeing that word gentleness as we talk and as we read. And this morning, when we think about meekness, it's really talking about being gentle as well. And gentleness is not a spiritual gift, it's a spiritual fruit. Well, what do you mean? What's the difference? Well, have you ever been around somebody who is just gentle and, 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 and teachable and kind and and humble and, you know, thinks little of themselves. 
and we think, man, you know, that, that's, a, that's a gift. You know, the gift is something that some, like Shonda, she can come up here and sing. That's a, that's a gift. Some of you guys can, are good with your hands and you can make things. And I was watching this YouTube channel the other day. This guy lives in the mountains and he, he makes all this rustic food and then it gets silent and he's taken like this wood project and he makes this beautiful bird out of it. Like he's gifted at that. There's spiritual gifts that God gives us. Making a, you know, there's different things that we have. Some of us have the gift of encouragement. There's all kinds of gifts. But then the Bible talks about fruit. These are things that the Spirit produces in the life of any believer. And gentleness and patience and self-control are mentioned in that list. Listen to this. Does that say fruit or gift of the Spirit? Fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Say that again. Gentleness, right? And self-control. And against such things, there is no law. So the reality is this morning that gentleness is something that our culture really doesn't value. And yet, gentleness is something that the fruit of the Spirit produces in our life. In fact, some of us may be in here thinking, man, you don't have anything better to talk about than gentleness? What in the world? Like gentleness, really? That's what we're going to, meekness, being teachable, being, you know, like that's what I came to church for. And you want to know why sometimes we take that tone? Because we devalue it in our culture. It is not celebrated. Let's give such and such a hand. They are gentle with the way they are speaking to someone. Let's give such and such a hand. They were being teachable and they were submitting to authority. Let's give them a, no, we don't. We don't, we don't do that in our culture. We want to be the boss. We want to be in charge. We want to say what's on our mind. We want to have the last word. We want to tell them, right? And Jesus says, I want to teach you another way. To be meek is to be teachable. To be meek is to be gentle. To be meek is to listen to what God wants to say to us. Scripture tells us that also the meek have an inheritance. Remember the scripture we read? Blessed are the meek. Let's finish it. For they will inherit the earth. When you study what that means, it says they will inherit the land, the land of Canaan. Remember the audience he's talking to. A symbol of heaven. So that all the blessedness of heaven above and all the blessings of earth beneath are the portion of the meek. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't, still don't know what that means. Okay, well, here's what it means in broken down. Those who are meek in Christ experience the fullness of Christ, Christ both in this life and in eternity. What Christ is saying when he says that the meek shall inherit the earth is he's saying that the meek shall have the fullness of Christ, not only in eternity, but we can have the fullness of Christ now. In fact, Paul gives verbiage to that when he writes 
about it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now let me just back up for a minute. We'll get back to that. We all try someone's recipe and we're like, what's the secret? What, what, what is it? Paul says, listen, I can tell you what the secret is for this life. I've been on missionary journeys. I've been shipwrecked. I've been thought of with esteem. I've been spit at. I've been tortured. I've had all these things happen to me. And I'm telling you, there's a better way to live. There's a fullness. He says, I have learned. I know the secret. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. Here it is. I can do all of that through Christ who gives me fullness, who gives me strength. We believe in our, you know, every, sometimes you'll hear a statement like one size fits all, okay? Churches aren't all the same. Different churches have different belief systems, right, denominationally. You know, some of you have been checking a church out before and you want to know what they believe, what their doctrine is. And our church believes in salvation, which means that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe that there was a hell. What in the world did Jesus come for if there wasn't a hell? He came to save us. We call him Savior. We believe in that first experience of grace in our life where we come before Jesus and he forgives our sins. But we also believe in a second work of grace called sanctification. And when I was doing, studying, or when I stood before our credentials board, I had all these pastors in front of me and they asked me what sanctification means. It's important within our theology. And I use this as what I told them, and I tell students this and kids this because it's easy for us to remember Salvation is like inviting Jesus into your car, saying, you're with me. You come and you be with me. I don't want to be alone anymore. I know you saved me. I'm inviting you into my life. You have access to my life. My children have access to my vehicle. They can come in my vehicle. My wife can get in. If we were going to go eat together somewhere, you're welcome to get in my vehicle. But sanctification is not just being in the vehicle. It's letting God drive. It's inviting Jesus to drive your life and, and allowing him to come and be, in, be driving and for you to sit in the back. And it also means learning not to backseat drive. And when, when we're talking about the fullness of Christ and what Paul's talking about here in course the scripture talking about about the meek and following after Jesus rather than the worldly things that the world has to offer it's simply surrendering moment by moment to what Christ has for us sometimes when we're submitted to Christ everybody will be saying something and God will whisper in your ear like yeah yeah don't Sometimes our emotions get high 
and we experience heartache or depression or anger or hurt or pain and our emotions, maybe even the people around us are saying certain things, right? It's okay for you to act this way. It's okay for whatever it could be. But the spirit inside of us, because our lives are surrendered, says, yeah, don't do that. This morning, as we, as we submit ourselves to Christ and we have the fullness of him in our lives, it's Jesus walking around every day with us. It's being surrendered to him. Paul says, I have this, learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So when we think about the meek, the teachable, those who've humbled themselves, those who have submitted their lives to Christ, it's not something that a person can do in their own strength. It's something that Christ gives us the strength to do. Today's big idea, we inherit heaven as followers of Christ. But we can also experience, let's finish it, the fullness of Christ now. The issue, though, is remember the, the rich young ruler, if you don't know that story. He comes to Jesus with saying, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, you know the commandments. And he's like, yeah, I've kept all those things. What, what else you got? And he always knew who he was talking to, right? I mean, some of you have multiple kids. You know that you love your kids the same, but they're different. And the message that they need may not be the same. And he knows exactly what this man needs to hear. And he says, look, you've done a lot of those things, but you're in love with your stuff. You're proud of it. It gives you comfort. It gives you security. It gives you strength. But I want to be your strength. I want to be your comfort. Whether you meant to or not, you've kind of put that up above me. So what you need to do is get rid of it. If you know the story, it says that he went away sad. I think about that story today because sometimes whether we want to believe it or not, we could be that rich young ruler. We want God, but we don't want all of him. Well, maybe we want all of him, but we also don't want to get rid of whatever it is. To experience the, the fullness of Christ, we have to get, give God permission to not just some of our house, but every room of our house. Paul says, look, Jesus, you, you've got all of it. So a question I have this morning is, would you like to experience his fullness now? Um, I grew up in a really, till I was about 10 years old, I grew up in this really conservative church where it, at times it wasn't about our walk with God. It was about um, legalism, doing things. And I remember a lady when I was just a kid, she was an older adult. I remember her saying, I just, I'm ready for God to come back. I don't want to deal with this world. I'm just ready for God to come back and to take me to heaven. 
I just want out of this sinful place. And I got to thinking about that as I've gotten older. I don't know why I've always remembered that statement, but really theologically, in, in reading God's word, God's word does not want us as believers just sitting around waiting for God to take us to heaven. Now, we all, if we've asked Jesus into our heart, we get that reward, but the reality is he wants us to experience his fullness now. And when we think about that, this is kind of a different message today. When we think about fullness, it's not 2.5 kids and the cancer report is great and everybody in our life gets us perfectly and there's no drama, there's no hardships, everything. You know, he doesn't promise us that. But he does promise us his presence in the midst of whatever we're dealing with. And this morning, I just wonder today if maybe there's somebody that's at that intersection today where maybe you'd like more of God. Maybe you've been kind of dealing with something. He's been asking you to be okay with something or he's calling you to go somewhere. He's calling you to do something. He's calling you to forgive someone. And, and, and it feels like for you, you're not experiencing, like, there's more there. Can I tell you, there is more. And for that more to be accomplished, a death has to occur. Now, we know Jesus died for us. There's nothing we can add to that. But there has to be this, like, surrendering, if you don't like the word death, but we have to surrender to him. And Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the posture of saying, God, fill me up totally. What about you and me today? I was sharing in the first service, like, this is, this is one for me. I mean, is pride a thing for you? Sometimes it can be for me. Sometimes God will whisper in my ear, Kyle. What about you? Would you like to experience his fullness? You know, one of the ways that that can happen is just simply saying, Lord, I want all of you. Um, years ago, well, not years ago, but a couple years ago, however long ago it was, when Noah started getting, got his learn, learner's permit, um, he passed his test, and it, we were driving home, and we parked the truck, my truck, and I got out and he looked at me and I tossed him the keys and I said, you drive. And he looked at me and he goes, me? You want me to drive? I thought to myself, I guess, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. Or I said, yeah, I want you to drive. 
what would happen if you and I would do that with God each day? We would get up and say, hey, God, when it comes to my tongue, you drive. Hey, Lord, when it comes to my thoughts, you drive. The steps that you want me to accomplish today, you drive. Whether we've been walking with God a long time or we're brand new to this, every single one of us in here today cannot live the life that Christ calls us to live in our own strength. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So this morning, I just want to ask you today, like, to put some flesh on it. Would there be anybody in here today in an area or areas that could say, God, you drive? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute? What's the What's the area for you? I'll just be transparent for me. I mean, I would say mine's areas, but one of them would be pride. So I would need to say, God, fill me with you instead of me. For you, what would the area be? faith like you love God but every time he asks you to step out in faith you, you struggle with that what about here's a good one what about patience I mean we it's a fruit of the spirit but sometimes we don't allow that fruit to grow maybe maybe it's self control Or maybe it's something else. What if right now in this moment, you just told God, you drive. I surrender to you.